So, uh, so there's no book that has shaped me as deeply and profoundly as the Bible has, and I'm grateful for that. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, number one, as a pastory type person, I have to say that, right? And number two, obviously, I haven't spent enough time with Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> you got me there. You got me there. But for me, there is no text that has shaped me quite like the texts that are gathered in Scripture. But that shaping has been, like all of faith, it has been a journey, let's say, a lifelong journey of wonder and of wrestling, of study and of struggle, of love and of, well, I'm not quite sure how to love certain parts of the Bible too, but it seems like every time along the way in the midst of this life, when I'm ready to to set it down and walk away, there's a passage that reaches up and grabs me and says, Jonathan, Listen, this is for you right now. And it's a word of hope, it's a word of courage, it's a word of reproach, it's a word of awe, it's a word for me. And there's no other book that's been quite like that for me and maybe for you as well. But I also know that maybe for others of us in this room, for many of us in this room, the moment we start talking about Bible, um, blood pressure goes up for us. Uh, Because our journey with the Bible and the way that it's been used by people has been extra personal and extra hard for us. And if that has been you and if that's a part of your story, I'm so incredibly sorry. The Bible has been misused and abused from the beginning and throughout. And I just want to say that I'm sorry for that. And I want to thank you for your courage, for your faith, for your insistence on love at the heart of this Your faith, that those words that we heard Highland read to us today, written by the community gathered around John, must be true. They said, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so if this book in some way helps us know God, then it must be love. And maybe... In its words, together, as we gather and seek it out together, we can glimpse a little bit of that. And so thank you for being here. And thank you for your tenacious hope and your insistence on love in the midst of this journey. And so today I want to tell you a little bit about this book for me, about my journey with it. It's going to be a little bit of a different kind of a sermon today, and so hang with me in the midst of this. But, but I hope in sharing that story, that we can, we can maybe glimpse in a small way the ways that this text might be alive for us with light and with love and with lively conversation for us, to see the Bible in a different light. So here's my story. Once upon a time, that's how every story that is worth anything begins, isn't it? So once upon a time, when I was a little boy, the Bible was for me a magical book. It was full of heroines and heroes and giants and giant slayers and arcs and animals and rainbows and rabbis. It was full of stories that spanned the whole of human history, and they captivated me, and they challenged me, and they called to me. They called me to imagine myself in the midst of their world. They taught me that I should be courageous like Joshua or or clever like Ruth, and above all, to be compassionate and kind like the carpenter, Jesus, who shows up in the middle of the story, enigmatic and divine at the center of it all. 
Those stories, they shaped me, and their, their songs and their rhythms are deep in my bones. And so even to this day, when a teacher says, the Lord said to Noah, there's this part of me that instinctively says, build me an arky, arky. Okay, some of you have been shaped by those same songs, too, complete with the choreography that goes along with it along the way, too. It was a magical book that grabs me like little else. But in time, that childlike magic faded for me a little bit, to be honest. The world got more complex, and the stories that I read in the Bible seemed more complex as well. And so that lift-the-flap version of the kid's Bible that I thought I was reading, behind those flaps, they hid some tough stuff. Behind the flap of Joshua's courage was brutal ancient war stories that seemed totally at odds with that compassionate carpenter Jesus who shows up. Behind the flap of of Noah and the cute little animals was a story of a flood that destroyed the whole earth. (laughs) It was the worst lift-the-flap kids' book ever. I don't even know, like, how to tell my kids that story. They have Noah's Ark to play with in their room, and I'm, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. So as it all got more complex, as it all got more nuanced... There was a part of me that longed for that simple childlike magic again, if you felt that. And so some folks try to hang on to that magic in different ways. Uh, There's some that that try to see the the Bible like a magic eight ball. You just sort of shake it and flip it open and put your finger down and you realize that all the replies are hazy and try again later. Or you see the Bible as one of those magic eye puzzles that if you just squint your eyes in just the right way, you see in the secret codes of the Bible just right a story of the end times or a smiley face that pops out from the pages. Others see in the Bible this magic answer book that held the single story of everything, from dinosaurs to dating advice to directions on whom to vote for. And in that view, the response to the Bible was simple. The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. The Bible was there to end all debate and conversation. It was like a single bright light that cast clear shadows of light and dark, of bright and shadow, of in and out. And if it was harsh to look at that light, then that was a feature of it, not a bug. That was part of the magic of the answer book. But then I started to, like, read the Bible, (laughs) like, actually read it for myself, and it didn't really seem just like one light at all. There was an overarching history and story, but amidst that, there was this diverse and unruly collection of epics and poems and genealogies and laws and letters and stories, fantastical stories and mundane stories and war stories and love stories that made you blush a little bit and and talking donkey stories that I wasn't sure what to do with at all in the midst of this. And it was this, amidst all of that, was this large conversation going on, this collection of theological conversations and debates, layered conversations in which the texts that are gathered in the Bible seem to be in dialogue with each other and debating each other sometimes, even challenging each other. One whole section of Jesus' teachings is called the antitheses, like the, the debates. And he, he starts them by saying, you've heard it said, dot, 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 but I say to you. And so places like this in Matthew chapter 5, 38, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And you've heard it said that way because that's a direct quote from Exodus chapter 21, verse 24, 
But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. And if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Jesus directly challenges the Bible. And I didn't think you were allowed to do that. (laughs) No one told me you could. And so the more I learned, the more it got complex and the less I knew how to make sense of this. If the Bible wasn't a single spotlight, then was it any kind of light at all? So, spoiler alert, yes, yes, it is, it is a light. There is light in this, but it is a light so much more beautiful and profound and nuanced and diverse and complicated and layered and illuminating and important than I ever knew and understood before. But it's a different kind of light. It's a different light. So rather than one single spotlight, this single dictated voice that's shining out over everything, what I found as I began to read Scripture was that it seemed like a collection of thousands of lights, of candlelights collected over thousands of years by people who had interacted with God in ways small and sometimes big. And what was collected was the diversity of their illumination and their conversation and their inspiration and their debate And it was like a great house that was filled with a thousand candles, where rather than bright, intense spotlight and clear shadows, there was a more subtle, a more humane, a more warm light. And those thousands of lights, as they shone in this great house, all the crevices and the corners of human life and history were lit up. Maybe not illuminated all the way, but like candlelight, lit enough to be inviting. It was a different light. So the Norwegians and the Danes have the name for this feeling of inviting candlelit homes. They call it hygge. All right, let's try that together. Ready? Hygge. That's so good. I wish Lila, our Norwegian friend, were here with us today. So hygge, spoken like a good Norwegian, we probably get the word hug from that. It's this feeling of hospitality, of of acceptance, like you can be yourself in the warmth of this light because you're being embraced by it all. You're invited into the table, to the relation, to the conversation. And that's what we find. We begin to see the Bible, not as this intense spotlight, but the different light that exists in there. Rather than listening to a single oration, we're being invited into a conversation, a conversation about the most important questions of life about meaning, about love, about love of God and neighbor and ourselves and how God is at work in this creation-long conversation among humanity and with the God whose light all of this emanates from and reflects. And so that's, to me, what makes the Bible so beautiful and illuminating and brilliant and important. The fact that we are invited into this conversation, our lives embraced by it. And it's kind of magical. Not like Harry Potter Lumos magic, but Higge kind of magic. So I want to offer you one way, um, among many different ways, of kind of making sense of the different light in the Bible. One way among many that has been helpful to me. So when I was younger, and I would read the Bible, uh, I was taught that the Bible was like a constitution, It was the tenets of our faith laid out in logical, internally consistent, ordered and numbered manner. And that doing Bible study, doing theology, 
was like practicing law. To win a debate, you find the appropriate chapter and verse, and you cite it, and you call on clear precedent, and you win the case, and you end the conversation. That was the point. But the people who were writing the Bible were not writing a constitution. They were writing something so much more dynamic and alive. They were writing texts and poetry and philosophy to address the questions of their day, to record their experiences, to recount their conversations with God and with each other, to help them remember and encounter and hear and even preserve the divine truth that they found in this experience. They were writing to carry on the conversation, not to end it. So the Bible is something so much more amazing than a constitution. It's a conversation. It's something so much more powerful and important. Not a constitution, but in some way the library or the canon of a community. It's a community library. The library of a a people who trace their lineage back to God, who are seeking after God and have experienced God in revelation in profound ways. People who are amazed by that transformative encounter with Christ and want to love and remember to love in his ways. And in some way, It's a community's history and shared stories and inspirations and revelations and question and debate. It's a conversation with God and with each other preserved and collected for us that we can be a part of that community. We can be a part of that conversation, that we can be shaped by it as well. It's a community library, and what an amazing library it is. In the Protestant Bible that we read here in the United Methodist Church, are collected 66 different books, um, not counting the maps and the table of contents. And some of those books are collections of other things themselves, collections of poetry or song or, or anthologies of other books. And they're composed over about 1,300 years, beginning somewhere around 1,000 BCE and carrying on into the first and second century, but representing traditions much older than that. Some of the texts began orally or were written down in part orally. And in the best and most inspired were collected and preserved and cherished by the communities as works that helped them be shaped as the people of God, encounter God and live in response. 39 of those make up the, the Hebrew Bible, or what we might call the Old Testament, and 27 are Christian writings, and together they are our community library. And I love the thought of a library. I don't know if you're a nerd like me, but, but go with me for a second here. Here's what's so amazing about a library. For me, in theological school, when I was learning and being shaped, there was this amazing library that I would go to. That among all the books on earth, the librarian, the curator, had selected the most important books representing the knowledge that I would need to be a part of that theological conversation. So I would go to the theological library and I would take a book down and I would read it and soak it in, reflect on it. And then I would go and I'd find another and I would read it and reflect on it, learn from it. And I didn't expect them all to align entirely, but I expected them to be asking the same questions, engaging the same stories, debating the same topics sometimes with each other and reflecting through it all the heart of the same God that we were talking about. And then along the way, as I would progress and I would learn, I would then have a chance to read some of those books and and write a paper in the spaces in between, reflect on those works. And in some way, 
I was invited and entered into the conversation going on around me myself. No book was the end of the conversation. The library of Scripture was an invitation to begin the conversation, to listen to and be formed by and join in that great conversation between God and God's people that has been going on from the very beginning. And the questions and the debates that we bumped into along the way were instructive not just because they led us to answers, but because they presented opportunities for engagement and debate and discovery and reflection and growth. And because the ensuing debate revealed something important to me about the community of which I was a part, about myself and my neighbor and my relationship with God. Because what we're invited to is a relationship, an interactive conversational relationship with our God. It's not passive or performative, but it's full of wonder and wrestling, of study and of struggle, of insights and late nights, but it's full of love and patience and light and every step of the journey. It's a relationship. It's a, it's a conversation. And it's the same that we're invited into with each other and with the whole community of faith throughout history and into the future. And so for us, the sacred text is like a great dining room table that's erected by God and set for us by God's people throughout the years that all who hunger for nourishment and companionship can gather together and be filled by what they find and by the conversation around it. And the conversation brings us closer not only to the many truths that we find in Scripture, but closer to each other and to this historic and future community for ourselves. So as the scholar Timothy Beale writes in The Rise and Fall of the Bible, he says the Bible creates community by creating space for community to happen. It offers storied worlds and theological vocabulary by which people can come together in conversation about abiding questions. It invites Creative, collaborative participation. Participation. Not just passive receptivity. We're invited to participate in this text and the world around it to be a part of its narrative. And in this way, the text comes alive for us in this world, for us in the context of community, in the context of the diversity of our lives together. It's endless shades and contours and meanings for us They're revealed to us most clearly when we gather together in community in the presence of a diversity of readers and responders, young and old and learned and unlearned theologically and rich and poor and powerful and vulnerable and historic and contemporary and living and dead and across the spectrum of our world who've all come to this library, who've all entered the conversation and lived with light in response. If the Bible were just a constitution, faith would all be about memorizing the facts and the addresses and preparing ourselves for debate. But instead, we have something so much more beautiful and relational. We have an inspired library that invites us into this centuries-long conversation between God and God's people and all people that's been unfolding since creation, one story at a time, and our story is invited to be a part of it. And that, for me, is magic. So, to show you what I mean about what happens when we enter into this 
this conversation. I want to offer an example of one of the debates and conversations that we find when we go to the Bible's community library. It's about the idea of being blessed. Um, hashtag blessed was a big topic of conversation in the Bible um, way back in the day and throughout the whole thing, just like it is today. So in the book of Deuteronomy, one of the early books in this library, it says clearly, obey God and you'll be blessed. Hashtag blessed. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And if you obey the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field and on the athletic field and at the car dealership and on And on, you'll have milk and honey and prosperity if you follow the rules. But if you don't, no soup for you was the normative theological position of many parts of the Bible that are around Deuteronomy. And you read it that way, and then you bump into this book called Job, like halfway through. Which basically says, okay, so here's a story of a dude who did everything right, who was totally righteous, and ended up homeless, alone, and covered in boils. (laughs) Hashtag unblessed is exactly what that is. And so there's this debate that's going on in our Bible library that simply isn't answered by a single light or perspective. It's Deuteronomy versus Job. Who is blessed? And then Jesus shows up. In his first big sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he goes right into this conversation. And it begins by saying this. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And on and on, Jesus comes into this conversation about being blessed and just throws it on its head and says, in some way, all of us, but especially in those places that we don't feel it, in those times that we can't find it, in those places we are blessed, and we are loved, and we're favored, God. And all of this conversation and all of these debates are in our library. And so what do we do? (laughs) Do we just try to like smooth over it and pretend like there's no problems? Or do we just throw it all out as internally contradictory? No. We pick up our own candle and our own experience and we enter into this conversation with our inspired community library. And I say inspired because that's the language that Scripture uses and the author of of the second letter of Timothy uses as well. The author says all Scripture is inspired by God. It's, It's been breathed in some ways. We'll talk about what that means over the weeks to come. But it says explicitly that it is useful for us, all of it, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for showing us and helping us learn how to live. All of it is useful, and I think the author is right. That this conversation, all of it, the debate around it is useful. That God breathes in each part and can inspire us in that conversation as well. And so take each part. So like Deuteronomy says, there is a kind of blessing that comes from following in the way of God. There's blessing that follows. But like Job reminds us, That doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to us. But as Jesus says, through it all, every step of the way, we're loved. We are favored. We're blessed no matter what. And we need each part of that. But even more than that, we need to be invited then into the conversation. As we try to train and live in 
righteousness, our part of the conversation becomes, okay, so then how do we live now amidst this difficult world as people of blessing, as people loved by God and called to be a blessing to others and to love others in a way that blesses them? That's where our part of the conversation picks up, where our candle comes to life. And amidst these many voices, that's where we just might hear a word from God for us that's enlightening and inspiring. We could read the Bible like a magic answer book, or we could shake it like a magic eight ball, or we could shake it like a Polaroid picture and see what happens. Or we could go to the other extreme and just read it like it was a totally unmagical, lifeless work of historical fiction. But I think there's a third way in the midst of this. To approach the Bible as an inspired community library that preserves and presents and inspires and invites us into an ongoing conversation with and about God. An ongoing community conversation in which we are all invited through which we are invited into a relationship with God and with each other and where we just might hear an inspired and inspiring word for us in the midst of that conversation. And I believe that. And part of the reason that I come back every single week with you to gather around this conversation is because I have experienced that in a powerful way in my own life, that God inspires, that God breathes life into this conversation, into the text of the Bible, and through it, into the members of the community. And through that, breathes life into my soul and into my life, especially when I try to listen and live and enter into that conversation between God and God's people that's been unfolding since the beginning of creation. And so in that way, what I'm invited to It's something so much more than just words on a page. I'm invited into something dynamic and alive and bigger than me and full of light and full of magic. So one of the most important parts of my journey, of my spiritual journey, was a retreat that I took in the middle of deep wrestling with God and and Scripture and all of it. And in the midst of that retreat, I took some time to go off by myself one night into the woods and have it out with God. (laughs) And we did. And I don't want to get too hokey in this story, but uh, I looked as far as I could into the night sky and what echoed back from the universe was love. And it was a thing, but like explaining it to you sounds like I'm trying to tell you that I saw Bigfoot in the woods. Um, But it was a moment of profound illumination for me. But the light of that moment probably would have faded, except for something that happened later on in that retreat. On the last night, after the final worship, uh, each of us were invited to take a candle from the altar, and one by one, we were invited to walk out the door into the dark night along a path that led through the woods. And when we stepped out with our candle into the night, what I saw was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Lining the path were hundreds and hundreds of people, each holding a candle of their own, friends and family, 
others who supported us, who were lining the path and singing to us as we walked. It was breathtaking, and it was pure love. And as much as I felt God's love in the light of the clearing that night in the woods by myself, I experienced God a thousand times that night through the light and the love of the community. Through the thousand people and candlelights along the path that were showing me and testifying to me and telling me the story that the love of God, the blessing of God was with me every step of the way and inviting me into relationship and inviting me into conversation. It was the same light, but it was different light, and it was beautiful. And so for us, that's what the inspired light in the community library of Scripture is for us. When we feel alone in this journey, it is a thousand candles stretching through history and humanity, stretching out through this world, and sometimes they are imperfect and contextual and questioning and debating, but each one of us, each one of them is testifying to us the fact that God is with us, that love is with us, and inviting us along the path of this journey, into the journey, into community welcoming us into conversation between God and God's people and all people that has been unfolding since the beginning of creation, one story at a time, and telling us that our story, our journey, our time is a part. So over the next few weeks, we're going to do our best to enter into the conversation hear the stories in a different light, and listen to the voices along the way, origin stories, deliverance stories, community stories, stories of hope and of life. And in some way, as we listen to them, as we sit in that great library of our community, recognize that these are our stories. This is our library, and we're invited into the conversation. And we just might find that there's a word for us there that there's magic there for us, that there is a different light. And so let's listen, let's converse, and let's live illumined and inspired in the different light and in the power of the conversation that's been going on from creation and stretches to us and into the community of the future. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the conversation that you invite us into, the community you invite us into. And the way that amidst this, that that conversation is one that we get to have with you, our creator, the one who shapes us and knows us in relationship with us and invites us into the story. God, sometimes wrestling with the Bible can be a challenging and, and complicated So God, give us hope, give us courage, give us peace. But most of all, God, give us a word from you in this conversation of your community that's been going from the beginning of creation and will continue on as long as creation. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your work. And thank you for letting us be a part. Amen.